I think I saw that it's 80-something days to Christmas. I know that's blessed you, hasn't it? Um, I um, mentioned that because um, I was remembering, uh, as I was thinking ahead to this year and Christmas and plans that I need to make, I was reminded of, of yesteryear of Christmas past. I don't know if uh, you're, you still do this um, or whether this is happening, that you have a big family gathering. At Christmas, is that, is that something that happens? used to happen a lot uh, in, in my family. I have about 15 cousins on one particular side and, and various uncles and aunts. And, and often, because of the number, um, my parents kindly um, would invite that family gathering together because we could fit them all in. And I actually really loved those family gatherings when it actually happened, when everyone had arrived. It was great to catch up on my cousins and see what they were doing and what was happening in their life. And, and I had to endure that grilling from the uncles and aunts and, oh, haven't you grown kind of comments. How old are you? What are you doing? And then we'd have that great feast that had been prepared. Good times. I love the party, but not so much the run-up to it. Do you know what I mean? There was always so much work, particularly when we were hosting. There was a chore list from mum. I had to hoover the floors. I had to take uh, my stuff upstairs. I had to move the table, fold the napkins, plump up the cushions, light the fire on and on and on and on. Do you know what I mean? And then dad would turn off the TV or the computer. It dates me, doesn't it? Uh, when I would got distracted. You need to help your mum. And there was so much work. And then the inevitable tears from mum. I've got too much to do. Not enough help from you and your brother. You're so lazy. You're being so selfish. You're not lending a hand. Come on, we've got all these people coming. There's a, a famous passage in the Bible about a party, a do, a gathering. And of course, Jesus is there. He's the best guest ever. Let's read it together. It's from Luke, the third gospel, chapter 10, verse 38. It's on the screen, or find it. You've got a Bible with you. I'm sure you know this. It's a great story. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened a home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations they, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Did you hear the tension in the story? It's easy in a few words to paint the scene, but when you think into it, it's... Uh, 
it's got all that tension of a family gathering. We're told it's Martha. It's her home. She opened it up, invited Jesus, come on in. And of course, Jesus comes with a, an ensemble, an entourage, the disciples. We've got Mary there, we know, sister of Martha. And we're told in other places that Ma Mary and Martha had a brother, Lazarus. We're not told if he was there, but possibly. So kind of adding all those people up and at a best guess, there's at least 16, possibly more. There's bread to bake and olives to fish out of the jar and fish to prepare, and it all takes time. Many hands make light work, so the saying goes. And then once it's done, everyone can relax, everyone can enjoy that moment, everyone can gather around Jesus. But there aren't many hands to make life work. There's just Martha's. Where's Mary? She's not kneading the dough or scurrying around making ready, but sitting. And Martha, Martha knows how long it all is going to take to get it ready. She approaches uh, Jesus. She poses this question, Lord, don't you care? I love Martha. She's not a pushover, is she? I mean, there's Jesus in the midst. There's people gathered around. Of course, the spotlight is on Mary, but all the disciples are there. She raises the question, Lord, don't you care? And she's smart. Mary's mouth is really smart. She appeals to Jesus. Of course he cares. That's what Jesus is about, isn't it? He cares. He really does. He always does. That's who he is. Uh, maybe even... She's just heard about the episode that's just gone before. Luke 10 is a famous chapter. We've just had Jesus being asked, who's my neighbor? And we're told about the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know, you've heard of that, haven't you? And Martha needs help at this difficult time. No, she's not robbed and lying on the side of the road, but she is harassed and in need of help. There's a lot to do. She's got a difficult time. So Martha appeals to a higher authority. I wonder if before Martha comes into the room, hey Jesus, can you sort this out for me? I wonder if along at the side rooms, Martha has pushed her head round the door and given that silent gesture to Mary. Come on, Mary. Or maybe she's sort of done with those imploring eyes of looking at her, kind of like, you know, come, you know, come on, come on, help me. Maybe just even that, shh, Mary. Maybe even a direct request. Mary, could you just help me with this? So the question comes, Lord, don't you care? Uh, my sister, lovely Mary, she's left me to do all the work by myself. Would you tell her to help me? Uh, you phrase it and tone it in the way that you'd like. Is it polite or a little bit frustrated or maybe downright fed up? Phrase it with whatever tone. But tell her to help me, please. 
it's a reasonable request, don't you think? Do you think that? I think it's a reasonable request. It's understandable. I guess you do relate. We're all busy. There's too many, there's too few hours in the day. If everyone would just pull their weight, would, would they stand up to the plate to think of others before yourself, then it'd be fine. We could all then relax. As I thought about dear Martha, there's so much to be commended for. Every church needs a Martha. Sorry, I, I misspoke there. Every church needs a hundred Marthas. Sleeves rolled up, ready to get stuck in. They're the oil in the cog of church life, the oomph in our fellowship. Who puts the chairs out and who makes the coffee and, and all those kind of things. Who knows where things are stored? We need the Marthas. You really don't appreciate a Martha until a Martha goes missing. Or they go on strike, like my mum did once. And when they are missing, we're all scrabbling around. Where's the keys? Where's the equipment? How does this work? What do we do? Help! Martha's are like the Duracell bunnies of a church or a family. They are dynamos. They are resourceful and dependable and reliable and faithful. They keep going and going. They store strength like a camel stores water. They don't seek the spotlight or, or live off applause. Or being in the spotlight, it's not to say they don't need it. They're just not addicted to it. They're the ones who make things happen. That these Marthas have a mission and yet we begin to grasp this, that if a Martha has a weakness, it's their tendency to elevate mission and service over the master. Mary is seated and Martha is fuming. Martha is angry because Mary has done the outrageous. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Of course, it's crossing cultural barriers. Who'd have thought a woman would sit at the feet of Jesus? And indeed, it's impractical and unnecessary, and there's awkwardness in that room. Who has time to sit and to listen when there's so much to do? There's bread to bake and vegetables to chop and a table to be set and souls to be saved. Jesus, tell her to help me. My, my. A little bit of testiness. From serving to making demands of Jesus. Tell her to help me. I wonder if at that moment, if you've been in a gathering where you, you want to say something quite significant, and as you open your mouth to say the thing that you want to say privately or discreetly, for some reason, all the room goes silent and everyone hears. Have you ever had that moment? It's weird, isn't it? Or maybe as she spoke, maybe she spoke a little bit louder. The room pauses and all hear. Maybe eyes drop. Maybe Mary is embarrassed. And Jesus speaks to Martha of Bethany and to all Marthas amongst us. 
it's something Martha loved to do, to be hospitable. There's another story of Martha and Mary. It's in John 12. Let me read to you 12.2. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus, the brother, was among those reclining at the table with him. I know you know the story well, Martha and Mary, Mary and Martha. But as I was thinking about this, under the whole theme of our sermon series at the moment of growing in Christ, I want us to just tease something out that maybe you've missed. And actually, our translations don't really help us on this. In the NIV that we just read, it says this in verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. In a different translation, the ESV, it's the English Standard Version, it says this, same verse, but Martha was distracted with much serving. You may say, well, yeah, I guess distracted by all the preparations to be made, distracted with much serving. Yeah, we understand it. But there's a different nuance here. And there's something quite deep, I think, and profound. This serving, there's all the preparations have to be made. There's a particular word that is used there. And in the Greek, I don't like to drop Greek in because I know we're not natural speakers in it. But it's a word you may have heard in another context. The word is diakonia. Diakonia. I'm not assuming you'd know that word, but we often use it in a form very much in a Baptist church. Any ideas? What does diakonia sound like? Deacon, there we go. Thank you. So many answers I couldn't hear you. It's where we get the word deacon. It's a New Testament word, and it means to serve. And it's especially in connection with ministry. Martha, as the ESV gets it, is serving. But that word isn't just helping. It's actually a word connected to or where we derive the word deacon now that is something about a calling. It's a God thing. It's the same word, in fact, that is used in Mark chapter 10, 45. Now you're going, of course, yeah, I know that one. I'll read it for you. Uh, it's this. It's a really famous verse, and it has the same word. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom many. In the story of Mary and Martha, for some reason, and I don't know why, this word diaconia, to serve, isn't translated in the same way. As we heard it before, NIV, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And it kind of makes us think, well, of course, it's just a party and lots of things to do. It's it's kind of normal. But actually, there's something a little deeper here. Martha was distracted by much serving, much ministry. I wonder how we'd hear it if we translated it like this. Martha was distracted or worried with much ministry. When we get to hear it in that light, it shifts it perhaps away from just a domestic scene to actually something that we're all included in. The ministry of God, the serving of God, the godly action where we 
from our lives, give of ourselves, but others may be lifted up to serve the purposes of the Lord. And once we begin to get that, this, mis- this passage then takes on a much sharper and relevant edge to all of us who are involved in church today. Twist in the tail. This deacon service that Martha is engaged in. Yes, of course, of course, rightly, this has to challenge any cultural stereotype that would preclude women from ministry. It's right there. Martha is ministering, serving. I'm not building a theology from one verse, but again and again we see that God calls women and men, men and women, rich and poor, whatever ethnic background, to come to him first and foremost. He is the Lord. He lifts us up. He fills us with his spirit. He gifts us and says, come and serve me. Come and follow me. Come and live your life for me, women and men. And I don't just mean in the context of preparing for a feast or of hospitality, but of course that's included for men and women. But in all areas of serving, diakonai, for women and men. But back to the tension. Don't you care, Jesus? Come on, tell her to help me. Martha, Martha comes, Jesus responds. Many things are causing worry and anxiety. Of course, of course they are. There's always more to do. If only there was more time, or if only I could expend a little bit more effort or energy or commitment, we could gather a team and have a rotor. Maybe, just maybe, it could all be done and we could stop. We could get off the treadmill and rest and relax or focus on actually what I really want to do. Jesus says, we need to hear this. But one thing is needed, Martha. Mary has chosen better. I think the implication of of better isn't that the other is bad. I think it's actually good. Martha is doing good, but there's better. And that's not to be taken away from her. Martha's are amazing. But I think Genuinely, we could probably all learn from Mary's example. A little bit more Mary and a little less Martha. Back to that story of Martha in John. Great story. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and while Lazarus was amongst those reclining at the table with him, verse 3, then Mary, sister, took about half a liter of pure nard, expensive perfume, and she poured it out on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. You know what Mary was worshipping? She loves to do that. Martha has learned in the story in John not to object She's not the one that is saying that that's too lavish or extravagant or too generous. What do you think you're doing, Mary? Martha's matured. She's serving, yes, 
but she's learned that there's a place in the kingdom of God for a deeply sacrificial service. And also, as Mary shows, as a place for extravagant, generous praise. Judas is the one who says, what do you think you're doing? Sell that, give it to the poor, and I'll take a little cut. Mary is worshipping. You know, I love Mary's. Mary's are gifted with praise. They don't just sing, they worship. They don't just attend, they go and come to offer praise. They don't just talk about Jesus, they radiate him. Have you met some Mary's? Mary's are so, so precious. Those intimate friends of Jesus, those ones you think, I wish I could have faith like Mary. I wish I could sit at the feet of Jesus and take time and learn to love him and and meditate and reflect and be with him like Mary's. Mary's and Michael's, these prayers, these lovers of Jesus, every church needs some Mary's. They're great because you can go to them and say, Mary, would you pray for our children? Would you help us bring passion in our worship? Would you, would you inspire us with songs of praise and worship? Would you show us how to weep and how to kneel and how to lift up holy hands? We need them, you know, Mary's, because we tend towards forgetting how much the Lord loves worship. There's Mary, devoted, sitting at Jesus' feet, learning from him, listening to him, absorbing Jesus' teaching and and being in his presence, of being able to discern and distinguish between the good and the pressing and, and all the things that matter, and yet, to be in his presence. I guess, for many of us, that might look a little bit more like reading the word and and absorbing this, these words of Jesus and the scriptures, of internalizing them, of, of holding them in our minds and memory, of incorporating and trusting, of knowing that from him come words of eternal life. To learn from the Marys that there are moments of silence, of prayer, of listening, of waiting, contending, of seeking the Lord. Of knowing from the Mary that in the temptation, the great temptation to serve and be busy, there's a cost to that sometimes, and that's the expense of not being spiritually fed. I know oh so well, and maybe it's my problem only, but the first thing that goes when I'm busy is time with the Lord. Marys don't forget that. They know that God is our Father. They know that Abba Father loves nothing more than to spend time with his precious children, sitting together, spending time. Mary's are really good at that. I lived in a house in Newcastle in my third year, and one of my housemates, Jane, loved the Lord. She was a Mary. And uh, for the rest of us who lived in the house, it was really awkward because we'd, we'd, on Saturday, go, uh, we had one car for the house, and we'd, so we'd kind of do a house shop. So we'd all 
get ready to go to the, to the Aldi or the Lidl or whatever it was and buy our pasta and baked beans for the week. Then were the days. But we were always late. Do you know why? Because Jane was having a quiet time. And at first I was really amazed. I think, oh, she's so, so wonderful. And after about a month of Saturdays being late, I was like, oh, come on, Jane. What do you think you're doing? She said, I'm just having my quiet time. And I was like, it's an hour and a half. I remember getting cross with her. And then I was reminded, actually, that's a better thing. At the risk of super-spiritualizing the Marys, they do need a few things to learn and remember. In Luke 6, verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say, says Jesus? For Marys to remember that service is worship, and for the Marthas to remember that worship is service. If you're a Martha, be strengthened. God sees your service. If you're a Mary, be encouraged. God receives your worship and devotion. In growing in Christ, the aim of our sermon series at the moment, for all of us that challenge to grow, that he wants to take us the next step to move us on from where we are now to a step, an increment, a decision, the next step. Moment by moment, step by step, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. Here's the nub. We are called to serve. Absolutely. Undoubtedly. Part of following Jesus is to serve. But sometimes, in this wonderful encounter, this beautiful little story encapsulated in a few verses... The reminder that serving can distract from the best, the better, of being with Jesus, of listening to him. It might be that those of us engaged in ministry and serving and, and, and getting up early and staying up late and, and being regular and disciplined and committed, hallelujah, but maybe needing to hear of a much sharper vision that Martha missed her chance to listen to Jesus, to sit at his feet because she was distracted by serving, by ministry. Let's not miss one of the key points. That in the, the joy of the gospel of Luke, discipleship, requires this careful balance, of course, serving. We've just heard of the Good Samaritan, but always, always centered around Jesus to receive from him. You see, in what we learn from Martha and Mary, growing in Christ is serving, but it's also sitting. Of course, it's practice, but it's also the presence of God. Which side of the scale do you tip to? May the Lord give us wisdom. Let's pray.